Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. On this episode of The Balanced Parent, we are going to be talking with one of my clients and community members. Uh, This is a perk of being in my Balancing You membership. And this mom is, oh my gosh, just a wonderful parent, a joy to have in my courses and programs. And one of the things you're going to see here is that she's really coachable and that she really takes feedback to heart. She's really interested in diving deep and she's been working really hard on conscious parenting. And I'm really excited for this conversation because she's found something that's sticky, something that's lingering, that's really getting hard, you know, just is staying in her vocabulary when she doesn't want it there. And so we're going to dig into that. And so I hope that this conversation is really helpful for you. And join me in welcoming Aram to the show. Hi, Aram. How are you doing? Hi, Laura. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for sharing this part of your journey with us. I just want to say that it is a vulnerable, brave thing to do, to be open and honest and put your journey out in the to the public like this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I love the word vulnerability. It's something that I, since COVID, have really been taking to heart because I think it's important that we don't show perfection because what really is perfection, right? I don't think it truly exists. I think when we strive for that, we just hurt ourselves and people around us. You know, perfection is an attempt to be loved and accepted, which of course is the the human condition. That's what we all want. So it makes sense that people try to get that through perfection. I know I have for years and still recovering. I'm still identify as a recovering perfectionist. And so it's natural to be that way. And at the same time, it's really hard to grow and change when you can't make any mistakes, you know? Yeah. Okay. So Iram, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your family and what's going on and some of the work you've been doing and where your struggle is today? You know, I am a mom of two spirited girls. My older one has really been my best teacher. Second, I think I knew I was pregnant. Like everything went out the window. Like all the things I thought I was going to be doing, everything went out the window. And she's really been my best teacher. My younger one is also very spirited in a different way. She's mellow at times. I want to give them the best as much as I can. Not always there. I feel like since I became a mother five and a half years ago, I really am trying to be conscious of my parenting. And it's not easy. It's, oh my goodness, days where I am a couch potato, you know, because my brain is overtired. One of the things that 
I feel like I wait, hold on. Let's just pause there for a second. I want you to know that it is okay to rest. Yes. You know, in our society, we focus so much on productivity and what you got done. And sometimes resting is the thing that needs to get done. And that's okay. I, mean, I still struggle with shame around resting, mm-hmm. but I'm working on it. Yes. COVID, me. <laughs> COVID has um, been a good teacher for lots of us in that way. The one thing that I feel pretty confident and good that w- I work together with my girls and their personalities instead of working against them. There is one thing, however, I've been paying more attention that I, as my older one is getting older and you know it's all mental work with them as they get older because they can answer you they can challenge you and I get stuck with I want to say manipulation or control which I really don't like I remember as a kid that that was a common thing that was done and I absolutely hated it and it shocks me that I just do it so naturally with my own children. And then when I sit down and reflect, like, where do I see that I need to grow? And I, this is one thing that I, it's arcing me. It's like getting under my skin. It's really important for internal uh, motivation to instill that or to model or coach my kids rather than external rewards and, you know, punishments. And I feel like this kind of falls in line with that where I will tell her, well, if you don't do this, you can't have that, Mm -hmm. you know, or I changed my mind. We can't do this anymore. Yeah. And as you know, as a mom, I think you're a mom of a spirited child as well. Oh, yeah. That can rock the boat, right? (laughs) Because it feels like control to them. It feels like manipulation. And And I I feel it in my bones, like, why am I doing that? But I'm just doing it. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right with me. However, I'm doing it like it's not, not a big deal. Like, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, can we dig there for just a second? Because I want to let you know that it might be surprising to you that that you would have experienced that so negatively growing up when it was done to you as a child. And it, it seems like there's a disconnect there that like, if I didn't like that as a kid, why am I doing that to my own kids? But to me, it makes complete sense. That that's what you would do because we only know what we know, right? So the habit pattern, the programming. So when we're little, our brains are like computers, right? And the way we were parented is what gets hardwired into the computer. You know, like when you get a computer, there's already programs installed, right? You know, and like as you start using it, you realize like, oh, I don't really like that program. I'm going to go out and look for another one. And you download some software, right? But the the way we were parented is what's hardwired into our beautiful computer brains, right? And so in situations where an adult or an authority figure isn't getting what they want, the pattern, the program is like, oh, if this is happening, apply this method, the method that was applied to you. And your software just needs updating, which you've been working on for years with me, with other folks on your own. You've been doing a really great job working, but these programmings and patterns, they're tricky, they're sticky. (laughs) So here's the thing about them. That was example or an analogy that's super cold, right? So it's very clinical and, you know, very technical, but The programming in us is not that way. This program is also rooted in our hearts and our souls and love and fear of losing love, right? So 
when you were a kid and that manipulation was handed to you, those threats were handed to you, shame was handed to you. How did you respond to that as a child? What did you do? It broke my spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, as an adult, I turned 35 this year and I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Yeah. You know, I'm a recovering codependent, mm-hmm. as Melody Beattie puts it <laughs> in words. The hard part is, is with parenting is I'm still trying to parent myself while I'm parenting my kids. And it's exhausting. It's, it is so exhausting. One of the things where I'm like throwing out the window, like, you know what? I'm doing everything else. Yeah. But I'm to address it. My daughter is getting older. I don't want to cultivate that relationship with her. Yeah, you know? absolutely. If respect is important. Appreciation is important. When she looks back, I want her to feel in her bones that mama loved me. Mama respected me. That's important for me. Of course. Absolutely. And I think we can all relate to that. And at the same time, you know, when you were a kid, and these things were handed to you, you had to lock away parts of yourself, right? So that those things teach us, those interactions with our parents teach us about ourselves. We are, young kids are learning about what parts of me are acceptable and lovable and what parts of me are not okay. What parts of me are going to put me at risk, right? of losing love. And it's not conscious. This happens unconsciously. And it's starting to happen very young as kids move into the late, you know, toddlers, preschool ages. That's when this all starts around four and five. And so it's lovely that you are concerned about this now with your kiddo. But it's important to remember that inside you, there's a little one who's worried if they're lovable and who has these parts that they've been locking away for a long time, you know, and then we're faced with a child who perhaps echoes them a little bit. You see yourself and your daughter. Absolutely. I think she is that spirited child that it's possible I was, I once was, but it was, you know, my mom did the best she could, whatever resources, you know, being an immigrant family, they had a lot. I'm privileged to have more time to address this. You know, when you're thinking of survival, you don't have time for this kind of stuff. So if, there's anyone out there that's listening and they can't do the work right now. It's okay. Like I want to, I place of a privilege. And when I reflect back on what my mom did, I'm still amazed with the lack of resources and sometimes support, even acceptance for her own self. You know, if I am who I am today, it's because she allowed those little moments of burst of who her authentic self was. And I think I clung to that. And I'm fortunate that I have that. You know, I come from a very long line of strong women. And I want to instill the good parts for my daughters. And at the same time, but I want to show them they're lovable. They are strong. They can trust themselves. You know, I think we're all born with the inner wisdom, like this voice. Then I think consciously or subconsciously parents kind of diminish that. Parenting from within talks about it like we don't even realize, but we kind of squash that down. And I don't want to do that. That is like one of my anchors that I want to instill in both of them. And when I start using shame or control, I know I'm going against them, bringing myself back to my core values. Like this is what I want for my daughters. This is what I want for our family, not just them. I want to treat my husband the same way. I want to treat myself the same way. You know, the family dynamic. You can teach them all you want, but if you're not modeling it, 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So for these two, you're spilling so much wisdom all over us right now. It's so beautiful. Thank you so much. So you mentioned our work together in Parenting from Within, which is a group coaching program. So I just wanted people to know that that's available to them. But there's two things here that I, I feel like we could go both directions and I hope we have time. So the first one is you are talking about compassion for your mom, love and acceptance for her, that she was doing the very best that she could. I want to take that one step further that if you take a look at what she was doing even those moments where she manipulated or threatened or shamed you can we assume that she was trying to protect you trying to keep you safe the absolutely. best way she knew how absolutely there's no doubt in my mind absolutely no. and so then when those parts come up within you right that mm -hmm. are shaming towards your kiddos those parts only know how to protect in that way that your mom did. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. So when we think about it that way, we can think about like, so you also mentioned treating yourself well and reparenting yourself well and not using shame and blame on yourself as you're making changes. And this is where it's this wraparound support is so important because we can't make those changes externally with our kids if we're still using that same shame and blame language with ourselves, right? And the key thing is, is that inner critic, the one who really is harsh with us when we show up in ways that historically we were told we weren't okay, you know, when those parts of ourselves show up, that inner critic is just like your mom doing the best dang job they can to keep you safe. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you? Uh-huh. Okay. And so then we, so we have this inner critic who's doing this job of keeping you safe, right? Of trying, you know, to do, you know, his, is tasked with this job of keeping the system within you safe. And then we also have this habit response that's aimed at keeping your kids safe in the only way you know how. Do this or else. If we don't do this right now, this will happen. That's the patterning, right? That's the programming. And so what do you think, Aram, do you think that the first task is to repattern that within yourself in the way you talk to yourself? Do you think you need to repattern it with the way you talk to your kids, both at the same time? Like, what do you think? What? Because you are so wise, you have so much intuition. It is something that I've been working on, shame and judgment. I have a, a really great therapist that I've been working with for about a year now. And I finally am sort of like coming above water a little bit about yeah. in terms of shame and judgment. It's hard though, because everyone around you will find a way to shame or judge you. And then you fall back on old habits. So yes, I think that the more I do the work for myself, it gets easier. I think I, for me to start doing the work on myself, that's how I've even becoming aware that this is something mm. that I don't want to continue. I don't know if that makes sense. But before so that, I was just doing it. I wasn't even thinking about it. Okay. But now it's like, I don't like that. You know, why did I say that to her? Why am I doing that? But I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. So the very first, like you're at the step, you're at the awareness step, right? That's the first step to any change process. And when you are noticing that, how in that, like when you notice, like, we have like a parenting cringe moment 
Do you know, like I have those two where I'm like, oh, dang, could have said that differently. You know, yeah. when you have those cringe moments, you all can't see us, but I'm like contracting. Like it's like, oh, you know, like a cringe. <laughs> when you have that moment, what would feel good right then? How could you be kind to yourself right in that moment? What would feel good? You know, I'm, I'm aware of just knowing that I'm aware and that it's something trust that I'm aware of it. It's something that I've got to change. And I trust myself that I'm going to get there. Yeah. Process. Good. Not overnight. Cause I, you have to unlearn something that's embedded in you, right? It's part of your core DNA. And now you're rewiring yourself. Yes. Like I feel like that's been my entire parenting journey is rewiring constantly. Mm-hmm. Constantly. <laughs> so, you know, so you just wrote yourself some beautiful affirmations. Did you know that, that you wrote yourself some affirmations there? (laughs) So I am learning. I trust myself in this process as I unlearn old patterns. You did a beautiful job. Well, you'll have to go back and re-listen and write them down. Say those to yourself. So that's part of re-patterning and rewiring your brain is by saying, okay, this was the old way I was thinking. And now we're thinking this way. We're thinking with self-kindness and with understanding and with accountability holding. That's what was beautiful about those affirmations of yours, Iram. They were kind, but responsible. They were, yeah, this is not the way I want to do things. And I'm learning. And there's time for me to learn this. I'm allowed to make mistakes and be human. And I can do this. I don't know about you, Laura. We've done so much work together between your workshops and classes, which was such a privilege to be part of. Thank you. (laughs) I genuinely feel like when you talk to yourself that way, or when you start to come in that space, it's easier to get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm stuck in shame and guilt and judgment, I'm just stuck there. I can't move. There's no progress. Uh, able to move from there, I can be like, it's like overnight. You know, things that take me years, it's like, nah, it's quick and easy. It's just hard in the moment to remember that. It is. It's so hard. And I mean, and this is one of the things that you can do proactively. So you can have little times with yourself where just when you haven't made a mistake, you just remind yourself, oh, hey, I'm still learning. I'm human and I'm learning and I'm here to learn. You know, you can remind yourself of that kindness in other moments. I really love having my hand on my heart during those times so that when I can feel it rising within me, you know, Brene Brown calls it the warm wash of shame. Yeah. You know, where it just kind of washes over you. Whenever I feel that I almost immediately put my hand on my heart because my hand on my heart triggers self-compassion for me because that's where I practice self-compassion. The hand on the heart works for me, but you can find other little things that I absolutely love that during our, I, every time we ended a session, you would do a poem or that. And I, And I genuinely love those moments that you cultivated within your workshops as well that we did, you know, coaching. It's good to use different senses, right? It is. It's so good. And I mean, and that's something that too, like smells, you know, can help too, like an essential oil on your wrist that you can just like, okay, I feel that warm wash of shame. I've made a mistake. I'm going to just take a second for myself. And you know what? With your little ones, so your little ones, the internal voice that's so harsh on all of us, 
we all notice, maybe we don't all notice, but two-year-olds and kind of late, you know, early threes will, will really talk aloud, like outside into the world to themselves. You know, they'll narrate their play. They'll t- think of, tell us what they're thinking and doing. And then around three and a half, that starts to go internal. And so your little one, your oldest is five, six? Yeah, five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah, so she's developing her inner voice right now. And so in those moments where you have that warm wash of shame, where you realize you've made a mistake, it's okay to say out loud, I could have said that better. And you just close your eyes so that they know you're talking to yourself. You can say, oh, I need a moment just for a second. Oh, I could have done better. I could have said that differently. And I'm learning, I'm working so hard. I'm gonna be kind to myself. And now that feels better. And now I can repair with my child and tell my child what I actually meant to say, what I wish I had said. And then you can go into that repair process, but they can hear you be kind to yourself. That's how we've, they learn their own internal voices. Because Kids who are five and six often already know, like if we teach them what inner critic means, they already know that voice. They already have that voice in their head. What's happening with my five and a half year old is when she makes a mistake or does something, she's actually not internalizing it, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but at least really it's a good thing because then you can hear it and you can work with those narratives and scripts. It's good. I'm a bad kid. I'm terrible. I hate myself. And oh my goodness, when I hear that, I'm like, no, 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 no. That can't be your internal voice. Okay. Are you saying that in your own head or are you saying it to her? (laughs) I'm I'm saying it in my own head. I mean, right immediately I want to just go in and fix and I know I can't. I have to give her space to let it all out. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when this pattern started, that's when I started becoming really aware because it's like reflecting back, like what's going on over here? Yeah. What am I doing that's contributing to that voice? Because in my mind on an overall level, I'm thinking I'm doing a great job. Like I'm working really, really hard. Yet this is where I still have work to do. Yeah. And like, like we've discussed in our sessions, like this is an ongoing journey. And that's what I have to remind myself. There's always going to be work to be done. And right now, this is my work. I just want to pull out two things that you did really beautifully there that I want to highlight for you. Okay. So this is to take on. You said, when you noticed that, you asked, how am I contributing to this? Which means you didn't take all the blame on yourself. You know that there is other stuff going on. Every human being has an inner critic. It's part of our brain. It's part of our psychology, okay? You did not cause the inner critic to be there. You are not making the inner critic who it is. You are taking a look at, how could I make this easier or better? How am I contributing to this? And that is a beautiful thing, right? Where we don't blame and shame ourselves, but are willing to take a look. And then you also just did a beautiful job of noticing that, like, it's not mutually exclusive. Like, learning and practicing and work and having more work to do like you can have both at the same time you know like no one expects you to be perfect except maybe yourself (laughs) you're being really kind and sweet to yourself i just wanted to pull those two things out for yourself to look at you're doing a beautiful job we don't hear those positive reinforces enough 
I think as mothers, especially, but I'm working on it. I have a nice tribe of people around me that we do that for one another. So it helps. It does help so much. Yes. To have affirming, loving people in your life. Like when she's saying things like that, can you coach me on how, what should I do in that moment? Because in that moment, I can make it about myself or I can make it about her. And that's where my dilemma comes in. And I kind of freeze because I want to react, but I don't think I should be reacting. I should just. Yeah. So this is where IFS, internal family systems, can really be helpful. Okay, so you have that content in Parenting from Within. Everybody, we did a, a IFS episode in my inner work series back in March, I think. And so everybody has access to some information on IFS. But what you would be doing here is you would be noticing your internal family and how it's reacting to your kiddo. I don't know if you've seen the movie Inside Out. It's a cartoon movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's this one scene where the family is at the dinner table and you get to see in every family member's heads and they're all the parts inside their heads are reacting to what everybody else is saying. Um, So you have to kind of envision that a little bit when this is happening and coach your inner family, like reassure them. It's almost as if like they're, they're a little kids inside you that are like, ah, this is terrible. Look, she can't have that voice. She cannot, this cannot be her inner voice. And so then you turn inward to yourself and say, I hear you, you, and you validate, right? And you reassure, I hear you. That is a big concern for you. It is so hard sometimes to have that inner critic talking so loudly to us. And you're afraid for your sweet daughter, for our sweet girl. You don't want that voice for her. I know it's really hard. I'm going to help her with it right now. I've got this. So this is the reassuring piece of our internal family needs us to be the wise, confident leader, right? The inner wisdom that you know you have, they need us to step into that place of leadership of, I've got this. I hear your concern and I, I, we will not let this go unaddressed. Don't worry. I've got this. I, and at the same time, I've got to go support her now. Okay, can you trust me? Can you trust me enough to just step back a little bit so I can hear her, so I can help her? Like this is an internal conversation you're having with your parts. Yeah, you're coaching yourself. Yes, yeah. And that all can happen as you are moving slowly and getting close to your little one. Now, kids have different reactions during these times. We all know how uncomfortable the wash of shame is. We all know how just red hot frustration can feel kids have that same capacity for feeling right and they have no executive functioning accessible to lessen it right so when those things happen for us we don't always explode some grown-ups do but we have our beautiful brains that kind of keep the lid on and we can manage it the kids, little ones don't always have access to those skills. And so you know your kiddo best on that front of what they need. Some kids need a parent to just get close and make, say almost nothing and just like, and just nod, you know. Some kids don't want any eye contact. Some kids want space. And these are conversations that you can have with your kiddo in outside moments, you know. So coming to them 
proactively when they are not upset and being able to say like, you know, yesterday when we were working on letters or when you were doing Legos and you were really frustrated um, and you were really down on yourself, part of me really wanted to go to you and hug you, um, but it didn't seem like you wanted me nearby and I, I didn't know quite what to do. And I would love to know how I can support you when you're feeling so badly and just let them tell you. Let their calm self tell you what they need and make a plan for that. You know, they're the experts. You know, I think so often we, you, you know, we go out there into the parenting world, you know, looking for calm down strategies. I don't know that we need to do that so much as we need to listen to our kids and find out what they need. And this is part of the, you know, Iram, we were talking earlier about your inner wisdom and how quickly, especially for women, and I know you've got girls, how quickly that is silenced and quieted. And so in going to her and saying, you are so wise, you know your body best of all. I want to support you in the way that's right for you. How can I help you? And let her tell you and then trust her. So one of my kids wants to be left alone and have no one talk to her. And, you know, and after 10 minutes, she wants a note slipped under the door (laughs) that she can, because she's reading now, she wants a note slipped under the door with an invitation to reconnect. That's what she wants during those moments. That's fine. The other one, when she's having a really hard time wants us to get down on eye level with her and make a specific clicking sound and say, do you want a hug? And then she wants a hug. And usually that's, it's over at that point, you know? So kids have different strategies, but they really know what they need. And building that kind of inner trust happens now, happens early um, with kiddos. Okay. So that's that. But then in the moment, I mean, when it comes to like circling back, she is not too young to know about her inner inner critic and her inner coach. So you can start using that language and say like, oh, was that inner critic talking to you a little bit? Was that negative voice kind of saying some things to you when you were upset and, you know, when you couldn't get that just right or, you know, it seemed like your inner critic was talking a little bit to you. Did you know you have an inner critic? And you can give them some information about that too. Think of the movie Luca where one of the characters refers to the inner critic as Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, she's that's fresh in her head for that. She oh, perfect. That. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. And so, but she's, she's definitely not too young for that. I have, I'll have to check that movie out because that sounds great. There's also a, a book called Sam and the negative voice that can help teach that. But I also think it's important for kids to know that voice is not them to personify it, to give it, to externalize it, and to also let them know that did you know that you have an inner coach too? Did you know that you have someone who, you know, that you can talk back to that voice? And then modeling that for them, letting them see when it's happening to you. You know, so like when I, and I do this on like low stakes things where I spill a glass of water and I say, ooh, my inner critic is talking to me right now. She wants me to know that she thinks I'm clumsy. And really what I know, what my inner coach is going to say back is that everybody spills things from time to time and that's easy to clean up, (laughs) you know? So I like will say it out loud in front of my kids, you know, Um, so that again, like kids are social learners, humans are social learners. We learn through modeling. We learn through seeing other people do it. And 
And even just having that language is so good. What you don't want to do when you hear them being hard on themselves is to negate what they're saying, to come back and argue with them about how they see themselves or how they see you, right? You have to remember, so externalizing their inner critic is also good for us. Remembering oh, that's their inner critic talking that they don't really think that about themselves or if they're saying negative things about us, they don't actually think those things about us either. That's just a part of them, a little part that's activated right now. So that can be helpful for us. Um, but when we go in and negate, oh, no, you're not. You're so smart. You're so good at Legos. You're so good at drawing. I love your drawings. We invalidate them. And we, that's we, what I, uh, you know, I'm, I paralyze in that moment because that's what I don't want to do. Validation is important for me because as an adult, I need validation. Of course, we all do. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. I, I like the coaching part for her and for myself. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, and that's what conscious parenting is. It's really like continual self-coaching. <laughs> you know, re I mean, it's a lot of effort. It's this is not the easy way to do things. But what's beautiful the work that no one really sees. <laughs> oh, it is. It's so much. I mean, there's so much invisible work that goes along with motherhood. But this is this one is a lot. This mental and emotional load is a lot. And here's the other thing is that it's likely that your mom did a lot of her own work. She was strong. She had to be brave. She did a lot of her own work and her work enabled you to be available for the work that you're doing right now in this generation as you raise this next generation of kids. And I, this can be uncomfortable for parents to hear sometimes, but your kids will have their work to do too. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, so the work you're doing is not for nothing. The work you're doing is giving her access to a higher level of work too, right? But there will be things that she'll come out of childhood and be like, man, I did not like that aspect of my mom's parenting. Like that was not so right for me. You know, I'm going to do things differently. <laughs> I know, but it's there. It's because, you know, lots of this all comes down to misunderstandings and good intentions delivered poorly and being human. Hopefully, luckily, you know, we have when we're little and we're building relationships right now and relationships can heal and grow and change over time, you know, and so we don't have to get it perfect. Even in the long term, there were, you know, change takes time. I think we hear a lot right now about being a, a cycle breaker and intergenerational change. And it's so important to know that change, inter, even intergenerational change, it takes time. It takes time. You know, if you think about the family legacy that you're creating and what things were like three generations ago in your family. I, Aram, we've been able to do a kind of almost like a genealogy together in the past. And if we look at the, the patterns that you're breaking in your family, your kids are going to go on and break so many more. We can't do it all in one generation, though, you know, <laughs> but you're freeing them up. I don't strive for perfection in that area. I just look at my parenting and say, look, as long as I give her tools, mm -hmm. that whenever she is in that moment where she doesn't know what to do, she can access the box of tools that I've helped her build, you know, since childhood, and she can, you know, be do what she needs to do at that point. Yeah. I think that's my goal, the tools. 
really. Yeah. And to know probably, I'm, I mean, I know you, but so to know that she, no matter what, she is acceptable and worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, this is all good stuff. So we didn't actually get to the if then statements, you know. Okay, so I do want to get there, though, because those threats are super common for families. I want to know, so the way you get rid of them is by identifying the fear that you are attempting to control. Okay, so if then statements, if we don't do this now, you go, don't get a treat. If we, if we, you know, if you keep acting like this, we're not going to the pool this afternoon. There's always fear behind those because when we feel out of control, when we're worried about something, when we have concerns that we feel like, you know, that need to be managed, then we go to control. Okay. And so the key then is to ask, okay, so what am I afraid of right now? What am I worried about? What are my concerns? And get clear on those, first of all. So do you want to get work through an example? Like, I don't know if you have one in the top of your mind. Generally, it's when she's not doing something. Screen time. Everybody's okay. uh, dilemma. You know, when I say you've got 30 minutes left or one show and then she doesn't turn it off, you know, I'm going to turn it off. Or I'm not having that play date because you're not listening. Okay. Something along those lines. Okay. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to shame her. I mean, I know I can actively say, okay, if in 30 minutes, when the timer's up, I will be doing this and just leaving it at that rather than threatening her like, well, if this doesn't go off and if you give me a hard time, then I'm not having your play date. Mm -hmm. Like eliminating that portion. Okay. So in that time, what is your concern or your worry or your fear? Like what is the struggle? So let's say she turned, you know, it's the end of the the show is over. It's time to turn it off. And you do have to say, I, it seems like it's really hard for you right now. I'm going to turn it off. And then she has a, a big reaction, a meltdown. Is that what you are hoping to avoid? Like what is, what is the fear? A lot of the times, yes. Transitions are hard for her and usually it becomes like a 20 minute meltdown. Like, I almost wish I didn't have to use screen time at all, but I just, I'm one of those parents that need it. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay to need you know, it. It's me and them all day long, 12, 13 hours a day. So it's, it's tough, you know? It's a lot. It's okay. It's okay to need it. You know, so this is something that I teach too in, you know, and we talk about this a lot in my membership and Balancing You, but this sort of thing is a great opportunity for problem solving because I am guessing that she also does not like the way that screen time ends. I'm sure she doesn't feel good as it ends and having those meltdowns and that none of that feels good to her. So I would love to see you problem solve with her and come up with a plan for ending screen time in a different way so that she has access to the resources she needs to make that transition well. Transitions are something that are really hard for kids this age across the board. They are kind of still on this one track mind. It's really hard for them to shift from one thing to another. And so having good transition rituals for the tasks that are hard to transition from are really, really good. So as just as an example, one that works well for my kid who doesn't do well getting off of screens, we have right next to where she watches screens, we have a few sensory options to regulate her body because she feels really when she's watching screens, she's told me, and this is all the product of a 
problem solving conversation. She tells me that she feels her eye, her eyes hurt because she doesn't blink and she feels like she's not in her body. She feels out of her body because she's been concentrating so hard. And so we quickly go into some grounding sensory activities. She likes to swing or she likes to run around the house and feel her feet pounding into the earth. And so those are the things, like that's our plan. We have a sensory grounding plan for after screens. And because- It's good, but here's the thing is that that works for her because it's addressed her specific concerns. You know, 20 different solutions, none of which may work for your child because one, they might not actually address her concerns and two, she wasn't involved in coming up with them. You know, so I have this workshop um, that's really affordable. It's called Problem Solving with Kids and it's 47 bucks. It's yours for life. If you take it, it's pre-recorded. But anyway, that teaches you how to do this. But if we come from a place of like, I've noticed it's been really hard for you to get off of screens lately. So I've decided afterwards, we're going to go in the sensory swing. That might be a great solution for her, but it might not. It's really uninformed. We don't know what's going on for her, why it's so hard to get off screens. She might not even know why it's so hard to get off of screens. And then the solution might have nothing to do you know, with it. And she wasn't involved. So collaborative problem solving really is what I would love to see you doing here. But when you get into that feeling of, you know, in the meantime, when you get into that feeling of control, you need to be really clear on the limit or boundary that I'm setting. I'm not setting one that I need her to do something for me to be able to hold it. Because that's when you start feeling disempowered, I'm guessing. But most parents feel lack of trust in myself too, that I know what I'm doing with them. I think it's fear. Like you said, it comes out. And now that we're talking about it and I'm thinking about it, I think it's a lack of trust within myself too, that I'm doing the right thing. And then I have this explosive adult tantrum, right? I'm reacting Mm -hmm. to her tantrum, which is not helping her or myself. Yeah. Okay. And so then that leads right into what would feel when you're in that place, that fear of, I'm not going to handle this well. I don't know what to do when she says no or openly defies me. What would feel really soothing to those parts that are worried and concerned about this? What what could you say to yourself in that moment? I'm still a good mom, you know, and I'm still doing a great job with them. I'm working hard. Mm -hmm. That's the fear, right? Raising kids that are someone's talking down to you and saying, oh, you're not a good mother. You're, Mm -hmm. you know, your child is acting out because you're doing a shitty job, you know? Yeah. I I guess that's the internal fear because there's always going to be someone, your mother, mother mother-in-law, family, that's going to be judging you, right? Yeah. And I think if I'm honest with myself deep down, I guess that's if I become aware of what's going on. I think that is a big thing for me. Obviously, it could be different for another person. Absolutely. But not knowing what to do is like a big fear factor for me too. I like to be in control. And when I'm not in control, I, I get crazy. Yeah, we don't feel safe when we're not in control. That's a very normal reaction to not feeling in control, right? And so that's one reason why being proactive and have a plan, having a plan, so you have a plan in place, you know exactly what to do, it is really helpful, right? And you know the plan was d- developed collaboratively with your child. Your child has buy-in. 
it, you know, it works for your child because you wouldn't make a collaborative plan without actually getting approval from both parties making the plan, right? So having that reassurance will be really helpful, I think. But I also think having some kind of affirmation that counters those two things, the fear of, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to be judged can be really helpful. Okay. No matter what happens, you know, I mean, and these are the things like, you know, when we have spirited kids, sometimes things do seem to come out of nowhere. But for the most part, we know where the conflict is going to be. You know, it's like little landmines that you have mapped out in your day, like, we're coming up to this landmine. So if we know we're coming up to the landmine, we can take a second to say like, okay, no matter what happens right now, when I ask her to turn off the iPad, I know I can handle this. She and I are a team and we're going to get through this together. You know, having something that feels good like that can be really helpful. And then when your brain starts projecting into the future, oh my gosh, if she has a meltdown, she's never going to learn to control herself and everybody's going to think I'm a terrible mom, right? Those having something you can say back to that can also be really helpful. Because is that reality? Like, is she going to grow up and have no self-control over her feelings? No, that's just no. you're talking. <laughs> and if she did, would it be your fault? No. If people judged you harshly for that, would that be your fault? Or would it be kind of something that's going on with them? Some lack with that's going on for them, their stuff. Their stuff. Yeah. So having, getting like super kind of curious with yourself and like, so that's a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy that you can kind of do on yourself is like, at, like is that really going to happen? You know, I hear you're concerned about that, but if it did happen, would it really be my fault? You know, just kind of getting curious. And oftentimes our worries are are baseless, are founded on, you know, on fear, but not reality. So fact-checking worries can be helpful too sometimes. And those things, you know, this, this is the part of being proactive about it is that you don't want to be surprised by these things because that's what triggers are, right? Triggers are when we get, we know, you know, something happens and we're surprised and taken aback and then we're reactive, right? So if we know the trigger is coming, then we can be responsive instead. I really like that affirmation for you, you know, even if this doesn't go well, she and I are a team and we're going to get through this together. That will ground you in your goal of not going over the top to her. It's okay. Don't worry. Love everything you gave me. I'm going to work on this and maybe we'll retouch if there's room where I need a little more guidance. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Oh, sweet little one. Hello. Oh, you go back to your day and your beautiful family. Thank you so much, Aaron, for joining us. You go right ahead and sign off. It was really nice to see you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. All right. So Iram had to go, but I hope that this episode, this coaching session was helpful for you. We went in a lot of different places, but I think we went full circle and I don't know about you, the beautiful listener in my community, but all of the things that we talked about with Iram today are things that are work that I personally do every day with my family. We're all a work in progress and these skills and tools that we talked about today are available to you to help you and support you in this journey. So thank you for being with me today here in the show. Um, check out the show notes for the resources that we mentioned in, in the session. 
and we'll get you connected if you need help. So one of the things that I think can help is I do have a free workbook if you're looking for a free resource called Yelling Recovery Workbook, and it walks you through pretty much the process that we outlined in our session today, doing that thought work and that self-kindness as you figure out why you lost it or kind of parented in a way you didn't want to and how to make changes, lasting changes in the future. So check out that workbook and you can also are welcome to reach out to me about my Parenting from Within program. That's a group coaching program uh, that I don't have the opportunity to run very often because it's very intensive. Um, But if you want to be put on the wait list, the link to that is here in the show notes. And then we also have my membership, which is available to you if you're interested in doing this work. So thank you so much for your time today. And I hope you all have a really good one and that you're kind to yourselves. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.